Welcome to the official Scottish Rugby Podcast with Caroline and Chris. On this week's episode, we're delighted to be joined by Scotland hooker and a real gent of the game to Stuart McAnally. Here's one I haven't asked you first before. He's got that look on his face. <laughs> Here's one I haven't What's asked this you. Be? <laughs> I think the answer to this is fairly obvious. But so that we've got it on the record, why Rambo? How did that come about? Why Rambo? McAnally, of course I know. Rambo McAnally. McAnally. Football. You, you, you probably go. don't even remember him playing. I Rambo. don't. No, yeah. I just was told the story. So yeah. Alan McAnally, footballer back mm-hmm. in the day. And one of my school coaches thought it'd be hilarious to call me Rambo <laughs> for school, one session. It? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was like, well, Rambo, what are you talking about? And then he told me the story. I was like, all right. Didn't think anything of it. And then within a week, everyone at the school was calling me Rambo. And then went to age group rugby. I was the only one from my school that went. So I was thinking, this ain't following me. And <laughs> Within like two days, everyone at camps called me Rambo. Oh. And then, yeah, now it's for 15, 20 years on from that. And now everyone just knows me as Rams. You've got a long way to go because I'll be about 40 years on for being mostly <laughs> first and still, still goes it. <laughs> exactly. And it makes no sense either, but uh, not to worry. Yeah, that'll be stuck with you for a while. But. Yeah. So that was, that was school coach or club coach? School coach. School coach. Yeah, back in the day. What age did you start? I reckon I started playing. Uh, properly about first year, so what's that, 12, when I was 12? I just moved to a new school, so oh. it was kind of a way of just... So you didn't play primary school rugby? No, no, no into football, nah, not, like my whole family, they weren't really into rugby at all. Oh. Um, my primary school, Oxcanks Primary, just did football, so I loved that, I was a goalie, like most <laughs> most of us were, <laughs> all rugby players. <laughs> Can't play anywhere apart from goals, but I was good at goalie, I loved it, and then I moved to Watson's and I was gutted there wasn't a football team, oh. and then um, there was a rugby team, and I, I wasn't really for it, and then... Mm. Uh, I had mum and dad, which I like, used to do as a way of just socialising, make some new friends, and that new school didn't really know anyone, so I started it, and that's exactly what happened. Like, I made a really good group of friends, still really good friends with them now, and started playing rugby, realised I enjoyed it, and I was good at it, and it all just kind of went from there. That's one of the main benefits, isn't it, of rugby, is that the connections that you make. Well, it's just, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Your friends are mm. still a part of your life. Yeah, it? yeah, huge. And like that, that's how most people... Now that'll resonate with almost everybody that plays the game that, yeah. that listens to this or that knows you. It's it's just exactly how everybody gets started. It's good to know that you know the guys who do make it to the top international all start in a similar position is to maybe somebody that don't want to or or, or never achieve the, the, the highest honours. But you remember your first game? You wouldn't have had oh, possession. First ever game oh, nah, at school. It was, uh, oh God, no, I can't remember my first game. I remember the first time I played for the first though. <laughs> Which was, I started year? off in the, no, it wasn't. So this was like maybe the, I'm talking maybe second year first. So, oh, you know, right, you got the first, the ones, the twos, the threes, I, it was kind of oh, called. Yeah, so I remember right. I was in like the fives. And first year when I first started playing, I was in the fours, threes, and the twos. And I could never get out of the twos. And <laughs> I was gutted because I really felt I was like good enough to play in, in the ones, but I could never get out of the twos. And I found out years later it was the twos coach who just was never telling them how good I was playing because oh. he wanted to keep me for the twos, oh. which was funny. But then I, loved, I, I really loved it because we had a really good group. It was like all my mates were there. And then I remember getting picked for the ones for a game. And I was buzzing. My dad came down. Yeah. It was up at, um, I still remember it was up at Harriet's, one of the back pitches there. And, um, the ball kind of pops out of ruck, and uh, I think it was a second row. I, p- I pick up the ball, boom, like touchdown, big dive, score the try. So chuffed, look, at, look for the sideline to try and get like a bit of a, a cheer from the old man, and he's watching the hockey. <laughs> <laughs> he missed that. He was watching chat to one of the other dads watching the hockey. I just see the back of his head. Oh. I'm like, goodness sake. Your moment. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the one memory that really sticks out. But then I, from like second, third year on, oh, yeah. in the ones, and then I like... My, my time playing school rugby, I look at so fondly, like from uh-huh. fourth year onwards when I was in that, that first 15, um, just 
just playing with like as you say playing with your mates training was so fun like i remember training was just like 15 or 15 the whole yeah. time yeah. um playing rugby it was just full contact as well the whole but time you had a lot of success at school as well mm. it's a good we team, had a good it? we had a really good team fourth year um yeah. and then fifth year we had a, like a good team but didn't perform well and then it was sixth year we made it to the scottish cup final yeah. and you were head year. boy at that point head boy Yes, I was head boy and captain of the rugby team, so it was a busy last year. Wow. But yeah, loved it. it was great and did fun. you play age grade rugby representative stuff? Yeah, so like under 18s, 17s was 17s. the first. Uh, uh, I don't know if that's still the first one. Under 17s, there was no under 16s. I think it was Edinburgh under 16s, and then when I was in fifth year, Scotland under 17s. Yeah. That was um, with Grant McKelvey, head coach. I was going to say who's coaching Grant. Aye, yeah. brilliant. So he took us from 17s uh-huh. and took us to 18s as well. Um, look back at that really fondly mm-hmm. and like even like guys in that age like Gilco like mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnston mm-hmm. like guys I'm still really close with today um, all part of that group and um, I 17s and then 6th year to Scotland under 18s and it was kind of then into the academy you were you captained at every age grade as well, didn't you? Yeah. All the way through. So that's been a theme that's followed you throughout your career. <coughs> and yeah. Talking about the head boy there and carrying all that responsibility. What is it about leadership that you enjoy so much? I, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't. If I'm honest, like I wouldn't say <laughs> Do you it's enjoy something. It? <laughs> I don't mind it. You know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a kind of thing. Yeah. You. I find mm. um, people say to me, "Oh, you're a natural leader," mm. or you know, um, I had a conversation recently with someone and we were chatting about it, and I was kind of like. I don't see myself as yeah. a natural leader. I just, I just, especially when you're younger, you're the best player was the captain on the pitch. So when I was like 16 and I was at school, mm-hmm. I was the best player, so I was captain. And you didn't ever have to do anything. Like you didn't make decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, you were never kicking for goal. You're always just going for a corner. Like there was no, no real leadership to it. But I always displayed good traits of a leader. So like I played well and I worked hard. And that kind of followed me through to age group rugby where I was, you know, I made sure I trained hard and trained really well and worked hard. And then I, I think that kind of, was how I became a leader like it was just the standards that I kind of held myself to and that's kind of how I've ran over my whole career and I think I hope if you ask all the coaches that have sort of made me captain over the years that's been a, a big part of it just trying to lead by example and, and hoping others follow really I love that that is pure that's natural leadership mm. and Instinctive. I think so often now we hear about any coaching leaders of course you can get better at being a leader of course you can be better at being a captain but actually it might you might not need to. Maybe what you do inherently is leadership, but it's maybe no textbook leadership. So like having different types of leaders, I think is really important. But I do think sometimes we get too focused in on it and make it too big an issue, where if it becomes natural to you, then it's it's as hard-hitting as anything yeah. that's, that's contrived. And I actually think there's a huge difference between being a leader and being a captain as well. Like yeah. to be a captain, you have to be a leader, I, I believe. But you can be a really good leader and, and not necessarily... Yeah be a captain of a team my captain is maybe a bit more logical thinking and, and thinking under the, the you know in, in the moment what's the right decision what's going well in a game or deciding whether you know an obvious might be an obvious three points but hold on there a man down and, and the scrum's been going really well like that's that's the stuff you need to do to be a captain whereas like there's loads of guys out there who are, are brilliant leaders but you might not ever think that they'll be captain but um there's i do think there's a big difference mm-hmm. and it can kind of get lost a little bit sometimes yeah. you think oh the leader coming through make him captain do you enjoy being captain Again, I, I don't mind it. Mm. Um, I've, I've, I would say there's been times where I've enjoyed it and there's times where I've not enjoyed it. Um, the times when you enjoy it or when the team's going well and you have lots of really good support around you and everyone's sort of pointing in the right direction. When the team's not going as well, it can be quite a lonely task. Mm. Um, I've, I've found times when I've done it to be really lonely and that's when it's, it becomes a bit of a burden. So, Do you use that when you're not captain? And you recognise that the person who is captain does need a bit of support. Mm. Yeah. You know, having been, th- I've been to exactly that as well. Yeah. You, know, like, you do feel totally isolated. So when you're then playing under someone else, mm. 
just being able to share that responsibility or, or just take a bit of responsibility. I'm, I'm so aware of it. I probably realise I'm like, I'm a really good vice captain. Like that's, that's, but that's probably where <laughs> that's I'm at. That's a big skill yeah. though, actually, yeah. I'm really good at supporting people. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I'm good at noticing when someone's maybe a wee bit, you know, uh-huh. you know, this is getting a bit much and I can step, what, like, what uh-huh. can I take off you right now? Like, what, what do you yeah. need? Because I've, I've been in that when it's everything. And um, like, I've got no, I'm not embarrassed to say yeah. that. Like, I feel like I'm really good at um, being that, that guy who, you know, someone can come to and say, God, can you take this off my hands for a second? Yeah. Like, this is weighing me down and I can do it. And it's yeah. not like, it's not a big deal. So, Probably because the team person you are, the leader at that point won't see you as a threat either. Because there'll be a lot of leaders that will be mm. almost feel yeah. as if a position of responsibility is under threat mm. by someone who's got as much experience and, you know, as, as quality an operator as you are. So it's, it's kind of strength in both ways, isn't it? So it's that wingman analogy, isn't it, as well? Both sort of sharing the load too, which is important. What about your memories of playing together? Well, I was thinking that when you when you were saying 17s and 18s in the academy, we played for two or three seasons together. Yeah. You, that must have been about that time. 2010 was my yeah. first year to yeah. 2011. Yeah, well, finished um, 2012, aye. Um, aye. So we had a couple of years together. Back row, like I said, it, you know, obviously retired for club rugby recently and sent a message and said something. I genuinely still believe it was one of the best battles I've ever played with. And I know I now play hooker and we'll go into the story of changing bits. <laughs> it's really kind, Mossy. Genuinely, like, like the speed of the, uh, there's more number eight pickups as a number eight or a back row, but the speed of the bat at the scrum, the intensity, almost playing like a centre was brilliant. I, I loved it. And I actually thought, I, I, I want, I can never doubted you because I know you'd make it but I was a wee bit disappointed in the switch to hooker yeah. it was a surprise to a lot of us wasn't it as well I think well, it, it was because of how quality a back row mm. player were yeah it was a surprise to me as well oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah I remember when I got the call I was, big, I was pretty it's surprised it's a big move to make when you're because you sat on the bench sat on the bench internationally the South Africa yeah, as a back row 2012 and then so you yeah that was probably the coach and then the, then the change it was in the middle of that 2015 rugby world cup cycle as well wasn't it because yeah. it was in 2013 i think that you made the switch yeah that, yeah that's right to yeah. back from back yeah. row to hooker and i know certainly as we've just said yeah. you know the media we it was a surprise mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear you saying it yeah it was, was a surprise yeah. well you. i remember getting a phone call and uh I remember thinking, like, I've, I've just sat on the bench for Scotland yeah. here. And I, but I didn't make the six. So I was on the bench in the autumn tests against Africa. I didn't make the following game. And then. Did we win that one? No. No. No, no it was Henry, Perg- Henry Pergo's oh, yeah. first game. Remember, we went through, through oh, the yeah. middle of the line. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Mike, Blair's, Mike Blair's last game. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So then it was Tonga the week after. And then we lost that. And Aberdeen. Yep. And then I didn't get picked for the Six Nations squad. Right. And I remember being gutted because I was like, I was so close. And then, boom, I was kind of out. felt like I was totally out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And then it was after the Six Nations, I kind of I got the the option to move to Hooker, mm-hmm. and it was an option. Like I didn't have mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, it was, was it? It was a conversation. Yeah, as opposed it was a conversation. To... The, it was Scott Johnson at the time. He just thought I could do it and wanted to know what my thoughts were. And initially, I was dead against it, as you can imagine. Like back up, like mm-hmm. you know, I feel like my best years are ahead of me. I've mm-hmm. just sat on the bench for Scotland, and um, but just the way they explained it, and um, that you know, so many. Uh, the way I always remember it was so many players moved from back row. Yeah. to hooker if they're not good enough to play pro rugby and I'd played 50 times mm-hmm. for Edinburgh at that time so my whole thing was like what could I achieve if I do this and, and it works um, I just feel like could I could I go on and achieve more than those guys who mm-hmm. couldn't make it as a back row so then moved to hooker and I'm doing it for a positive reason and it quite excited me like I like the challenge and it's mentally strong that yeah, yeah that's you know, at that point fair enough test. if you hadn't been in an international squad or yeah. we were I think now, now I look back and thinking, crikey, that was quite. It was brave. Eh? Yeah, it was brave. But at the time, I didn't really 
think much of it. I was like, yeah, go on, I'll give it a go. Uh, and I guess in the back of my head, I kind of thought I could always move back. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't want to think like that because I was kind of like, if I'm doing it, I'm all I'm in. It. Um, but then I did end up going back, playing back row a few times when Solly came back to Edinburgh. And like, it was like, a, I think it was a semi final against Dragons. And there was a few injuries, and it was like, do you want to you start if you play back row if you want? I was like, I go on. <laughs> I hadn't played much because obviously Dust I was off the old cobweb. mid 40, and, and the boys playing hooker, and was never, never in the running for getting a game at that time. But I was like, yeah, go on, I'll have a game. And it was brilliant. Yeah. You didn't have a crystal ball in 2013, but you do have the benefit of hindsight now from that decision. How do you feel about it reflecting back, making the switch from back row to hooker? Oh, yeah, it was the best thing for me, wasn't it? Like I do feel the quality of back rows coming through now. Like I, I would, I would struggle to compete with these guys. I'd, I've got no problem saying that. Like you look at something like Luke Crosby coming through. Mm. Like he is, I would say coming through now. He's not even coming through. He's well established. But when he was coming through, I remember thinking, quite glad I moved to hooker because <laughs> this is what I'd be competing with. Like just so physical, so strong and skillful. <clears throat> um, but I just, I just, I guess I kind of love the challenge. I loved learning. I, I love learning. It's a big part of like what I am, and I've always enjoyed it. So um, I saw it as something new to try, and um, if it didn't work out, I always kind of had an eye on what I wanted to do anyway. But also, like, I look at where I am now, and if I if I finish my career where I am now, 170 odd games for Edinburgh, and 47 Test caps. Like if you told me that mm. at day one when I moved position, I'd have bitten your hand off. Just last one on the hooker chat. Mm. I realised it was more, but like. What was your biggest concern over it? Because there would be um, throwing. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I know that there's so many hookers out there who still struggle with throwing, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and they've been doing it their whole careers, and mm-hmm. I was expected to kind of pick it up. Yeah. Um, so like, I remember, I just I just remember feeling like um, that I was never going to get it, and mm-hmm. I remember having like numerous times. I remember mm-hmm. going practicing my throwing one time and just being so bad and sitting in my car like screaming in my car like raging. I was like. Like, why is this just not working How long for me? into the switch was this? A couple of years. Oh, really? So yeah. it's a d- yeah. decent duration as so well. So after yeah. I'd like, because it's fine when you just start, you're like, oh, I'll pick it up, I'll pick yeah, it up. Yeah. But when I started, I went down to Bristol, played a little bit. Yeah. Played quite a lot. That was a loan yeah. yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I was down there. 2014, I was down there for yeah. six months, yeah. So played a fair bit down there, loved it, but just like, I just couldn't get the yeah. knack of it. And then it was really only when um, I came back up to Edinburgh and I started working with Simon oh, Hardy okay. and, and really started not like not knuckling down on the little bolts and th- the technical stuff and um and i just started playing more and that was yeah. ultimately what i learned was that like you just got to play more and you gotta you got everyone has bad throws and mm-hmm. you got to get them out of your system and understand that it doesn't matter mm-hmm. like you're not going to mean don't it, no no and there's so many parts to align out as well mm-hmm. like so um not getting too down yourself and that's all part of the learning experience as well like understand how to how, you know you're not going to do a great throw all the time but doing it and getting on getting on with the next job type thing International rugby is back at BT Murrayfield Stadium this summer. Scotland will play Italy, France and Georgia in July and August in the famous Grouse Nation Series. This is your chance to support Scotland as they prepare for the Rugby World Cup later this year. Get your tickets now. Children under 12 go free with a paying adult. Terms and conditions, of course, do apply. But you can log on to scottishrugby.org for your tickets and for all of the information to join Scotland fans and support our nation. There's nothing, nothing like, like being, being there. there.
And on that as well, I said it was the last bit. It's the last oh, you carry but, on uh, in a row. <laughs> like when you're learning a new skill or you're changing or developing, you see a lot of improvement quickly. Yeah. And then it plateaus where you have to get better and better and better as you need to get more and more or, or, or better and better at it. And it gets harder and harder. You see the, the rate of improvement slows massively. So. Yeah. There's a great graph. I don't yeah. know if you've seen it. It's like it's talks about down, chai, it's yeah. change versus time. Yeah. So it's changed, it's new, it's exciting, and then it, Dip you know, right you start down, really trying to master it, it mm. comes down, and it's kind of, kind of goes like this, and then eventually it kind of flattens out and, mm. and goes on the upward trend. So I always talk about, if I ever talk to people about change, I'm like, understand, this is what it looks like. Yeah. You're going to be excited, and it's going to be great to start with, but then you're going to go through this time. But if you are going through mm-hmm. the bad moments, you're probably heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So it's understand that it's all part of it. It's easy to say, it's hard to do. You must, you must see this a lot with kicking as it's well. Absolutely. Coaching. You must totally. see that. Because uh, it's similar yeah. to the throwing, isn't it? Yeah. It's ha- thrown's harder because, like the ball's not moving and the post's not moving. I've got so much no sympathy to wrong thing, admiration for hookers because, like if I'm kicking a goal, you can see the target. Big part of it is visualising where it's going. You're actually picking a point beyond the post as a physical point to to reference. When you're throwing, you're throwing to a space where somebody's hopefully going to be. Yeah. Mm. So you're throwing at you're an hoping, empty space yeah. and you're hoping. Yeah. So you can put it right in the money and the, the lift could be wrong, the call could be wrong, whatever, but you're still throwing at a void. So think of aiming for anything. You've got a target. It's much you better. Look at the, like what point of fresh air can you find as your target? It's <laughs> so difficult. Yeah, so it becomes can. kind of muscle memory, doesn't yeah, it? And just like finding that Yeah, you're, that you're, never, you're never looking up at where the ball's going to be. You're looking at the jumper. Right. Which I use a mistake I made a lot. It's one of the first things Simon Hardy changed me. Uh, I throw because I used to very much like look at. I would never pick point. a point, but I know roughly how oh, high I needed to go. Wow. Uh, but now nah, because he was saying, well, what if the jumper goes back an uh-huh. extra meter, and you've mm-hmm. you've put it to the pole? Like you need to almost watch where he's actually going to end up and when he's about to jump, and that's when you know your timing's right. If you just throw it to a space you think he might be, you might throw it far too early, yeah. or or he might have come an extra step forward. Mm-hmm. So actually, now when you throw, like I might be looking dead, at, and and it's gone like that. So you're throwing it a space, but looking at absolutely where you're not throwing. Yep. So surely yeah. that takes time then for you when new players come in to adjust to get used to through yeah. training ground mm-hmm. exercises and yeah. That's where exactly that's where all your line out practice comes in, and at the end of training, if you're not quite uh, syncing well with 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 certain jumper or lifter, you might just get a couple extra at the end of session. So, and you've got somebody trying to win it with an opposite team as well. well that's it. you know what I mean. Exactly. It's, like it's yeah. one sided. It's, uh, it's again like, no, like kicking. You've not got somebody. You've not got a goalie above the post stopping your kick go over. You know, so it's it's moving. Anyway, I tell you what, we've learned quite we're a lot a bit there. You've international ca- you've, ca- you've yeah we, uh, let's move on to that you I mean you look at your your journey there in terms of that well we, t- we sort of covered that moving into that uh, that international journey but your yeah. first cap what do you remember about that experience um <coughs> I remember it was in Italy Scotland yeah. Italy it was in Turin so pre-2015 pre World, World Cup, 20, 20, warm-ups, World Cup. Yeah. yeah it was Vern was coach and I was meant to get my first cap the week before <laughs> against Ireland and then I fell ill and I still like I got back on a Thursday. I thought I'm, mm. I'll still be playing, and then Vern just said, "Oh no, you're not playing anymore." Oh. <laughs> so I was gutted. And then, but he's like, "I'll be your star next week." So I was like, "Okay." So it kind of gave me a bit more time to get myself right. Um, what do I remember about it? Not loads. I remember the kickoff, and I remember um, just us kicking off and thinking, "Right, I'm I'm capped. I'm yeah. capped." Yeah. And I remember thinking, "Did that happen for you? Like, as in, does it does it does that happen once you've once it's got the game started? Yeah. I've got my mm-hmm. cap." Yeah. Absolutely, it's such a Brilliant. big thing, and it was such a big goal, and it's kind of why I moved to Hooker. It was never to to try and play more for Edinburgh. Like I was already doing that. It was to try and play for Scotland. So I was kind of like, right, I've done it. And then, 
and then you obviously that moment goes very quickly and you're focusing on your job and uh, I remember we had three line outs Big Jim was calling that day one three out of three and, uh, yeah, did, he, did was, he call all three himself uh, yeah he did yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was good but he was great that I remember he was really good right. in, like, that day and like in the in the walkthrough and stuff like, he won't he won't even remember it but he'd be like Rambo we're gonna go with this this throw it's a great throw for you you've been throwing it well all week so like, just give me that yeah. confidence uh, like he was he was great for me to throw to for my first first cap um, I just remember being really hot I think I got got taken off about 50 minutes mm-hmm. like and I was I was wiped eh? like, it, was, yeah. it was warm but also like test rugby is a step yeah, up hard, yeah. and uh, and people can tell you all the, all they want but it took me a good wee while to get used to test rugby it is a noticeable step mm-hmm. up physically and, and the pace of it and like your speed of your thinking as well like concentration the whole thing so um, but yeah I just remember it being, being cool me and, and uh, there's a bunch of us that got, our first, got first cap first that cap, day Damo got his first cap yeah. John Hardy um, a few, few other ones I don't want to miss everyone out but mm. there was a couple more um, and yeah it was good I got a great photo I mean uh, me and Damo both got our caps we're sitting next to each other at the table got a nice picture ah, it was cool you've captained your club you've captained your country you'll soon be captaining an aeroplane too which yeah. we'll come on to in a wee moment there is still a fair bit of rugby yeah. to play for you even though you have played your last <coughs> game for Edinburgh Rugby your club mm. on reflection since your announcement how are you feeling about things? Um, I feel really content's a good word but it probably doesn't do it justice like, I feel like excited still like I feel mm. like like you said there there's so much still for me to achieve I don't feel I'm finished with rugby just yet. Like I've always been very clear that I'll be I'll be stopping in November, which is after the World Cup, and and I really hope I make it. It's still a huge goal for me. I'd love to get on that plane and and make a real contribution out there. Um, but yeah, also really excited for the future as well. Like it's always been something I've spoken about, and I've been quite vocal about it. That this is what I've always wanted to do, but it's always been even down yeah. the line. You know, it's always been oh, I'm going to be a pilot one day. Hopefully, <laughs> like, hopefully it all works out, and then. When I actually announced it, I was like, I need to actually do this. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's always been just something I've spoken about. But um, And then when I and Gregor Fomey told me I was in the, the World Cup training squad, like, I was so buzzing. And that kind of made me realise, okay, you've still got a little yeah. bit a little bit to give. Had you let him know you were still interested? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to make sure that, that he was aware that um, when I put all that stuff out, it was very much a in November and like I'm, I'm all in with rugby until November so I'm not doing any flying yet I'm not doing any more studying yet that's going to come in January so take December off uh, enjoy a Christmas with the family for a change mm-hmm. and then uh, and then yeah start in January and a wee bit of a fragmented season just gone in terms of injury so that at the times miserable and difficult to deal with but I actually can form that as a positive now in terms of yeah. not resting in any stretch of imagination mm-hmm. but Bit fresh and ready to go. Yeah, I do. I do feel fresh, mm. and um, I think I strung. I think I kind of finished the season really well in mm. terms of I was out until maybe March. Came back end of March, strung about five six games together, and then so actually I got that bit of momentum back. It's not like I'm coming off the end of a, a long injury. I'm not quite sure where I'm at. Like I got a good bit, a good bit of rugby on, under my belt, and then I had six weeks off where you know a couple of weeks um, relaxing and got into a good bit of training again. So actually I came in day one here. Feel feel really good and. Um, I'm just really enjoying being back in the national camp. I've not been involved in, I think it was the last Six Nations 2022 was the last my last involvement. So I feel almost a full year of no international rugby. So Are you noticing any differences? Are you... Nah, not really. It's, it's like uh, putting uh, on a pair of boots, is it? Aye, similar bunch, <laughs> and I've still got my spot in the change room. <laughs> <laughs> whoever whoever, whoever was sitting there before, they've yeah. maybe just moved over. <laughs> the respectful bit, shuffle Yeah, down. it was nice. Yeah. So I was kind of thought, I was like, I wonder whose spot 
it says but that's still mine which is nice it's a good group i'll tell you one thing as well what you see where you know we, we obviously you're doing a lot of coaching as well mostly but every time i come into this camp you there is a really good feeling there's a really good group of human beings all working together for a goal and it's quite it's it's a really nice at this point in the rugby world cup cycle it certainly seems nice yeah it's, it is and it's credit to like the you know, the players are the players but this, this the management the staff that they've created an environment where people are you know happy to be themselves or encouraged to be themselves there's always something to do like even last night after you know a tough day's training there was a barbecue on for us but then it wasn't just the fact there was a bit of food on there was you know there was golf clubs out you do a wee bit of chipping if you wanted um, that would get compared to ah, it was <laughs> ah, there <was> seven <laughs> of us in a knockout challenge it was no great doubt. fun uh, you can make, it, can make a game of yeah, it <laughs> just literally lobbing a water bottle and right like cl- closest to the bottle um, but that's like ah, there's, that's, just, that's just a little example but there's always something to do to, to keep you uh, keep yeah. you out of your room for example like there's always something to do to, to keep you busy so ah, it's a great place to be the last one from me because I think you'll be needing to get your lunch very soon you mentioned that you knew one day that you would be ready to go into that next chapter and to pardon the pun or the analogy but to, to land the plane on one career and take off on the next mm-hmm. what does one day look like how did you know that that was that right moment as in how did I know when was the time when to stop? the time was right I think um I've always been lucky that I've always known what I want to do and I, I t- don't take that for granted because it's so easy for me to try and give advice and be like oh you should work towards your next career but I've always known what I want to do and every time I've been approaching a new a, a approaching the end of a contract it's always been a decision like do I look for a new contract or do I go and do my flying it's always been the right decision to I've always been like I want to I want to keep going I want to keep going to rugby whereas this time around it was like you know uh, maybe maybe mm-hmm. I'm leading a wee bit more towards this now. that's all it takes yeah it? it's just, just a wee bit down yeah. as soon as it's in just a little man, bit you just know. a little bit and also I've, I've something I've been so passionate about and I've always wanted to finish rugby on my own terms yeah. like I didn't want to to go that extra one and, and then be told oh sorry there's nothing for you and and and, and you know be, oh can I just get one more and you, you do see it a lot like so I, I was very determined that you know I was going to be in charge of my career and I'm hoping that the way I've done it is maybe helped inspire a couple of younger lads just to start thinking about their next career too because it was very like it was much easier for me to be on stage at the end of end of season dinners and speaking to my peers about my experience and not be emotional about it because I wasn't there was no bitterness or anything it was my decision you know I've decided this is what I want to do and yeah I can't wait for it and so that theme of leadership continues Stuart McAnally we wish you all the very best there is a lot of rugby for you still to be playing and we wish you all the best for it thanks very much thanks guys